Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop, and we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases, but the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads. So this season, we're going to take a look at hauntings, ghost stories, and the crimes behind them, because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. So back in Sydney in 1841, a guy called Christopher Crawley was born. Now, he married a woman called Elizabeth Carr on the 22nd of September in 1862 in Tamut, New South Wales, and they moved to a town called Junee. But in 1876, they bought some land under the provisions of the Robertson Act of 1861. Christopher Crawley had two plots of land, one 400 acres and one 120 acres. Christopher and Elizabeth basically built a primitive slab hut on the land and were really struggling until they got tipped off that the Great Southern Railway line was going to open in 1878. See, the colonial government was going to route the railway through the village of Junee, and there wasn't much there. And so what Christopher did was basically build in that area, take advantage of the increasing trade, and became extremely wealthy. And at that point, he thought the smart thing to do was to build something very special. And what he built was the Monte Cristo Homestead. Now, Monte Cristo means Mount of Christ, and it was only a brick cottage until he basically turned the thing into this amazing mansion. Now, Dad, you and I have been researching this place, and the Monte Cristo homestead is meant to be one of the most haunted sites in Australia. When you look at photos of the place, what are your first impressions? Great question, Paul. I've had a look at a lot of photographs, and when I first actually studied the photos of Monte Cristo... Isn't it weird how you just look at a photo and it just kind of made me feel a bit kind of, well, no, certainly not happy. Um, and then the interior shots, I kind of, I mean, I've been dealing in antiques for a long time. And if I can say this without being sort of, without upsetting probably the current owners, but yes, there are antiques and a lot of them, but it's clever in that the place hasn't moved on in terms of the world of antiques. It's, it's very much of the period. And perhaps that's why, to a lot of people, antiques are losing popularity because they kind of make you feel a little bit kind of sad in a way. So that's the, the sort of the initial feeling that I've received prior to actually doing any investigating. And then it's all downhill from here. Well, you know, what's interesting is that basically, yeah, this journey didn't have much going on at all. So Christopher gets tipped off and becomes incredibly wealthy. One of the things he did, though, is that he donated a bit of land to the church and then helped finance the construction of the church and other town projects. So by the time 
the economy of Juni is sort of roaring and the railway is going through there. He kind of helped build the town. So I think he had a bit of a... I think there was definitely a bit of kind of a steam. And so the house does sort of look... You know, in the old westerns when you get to the... (laughs) When they get to that town and there's the kind of rich dude who doesn't really run the town. He's not the mayor or anything, but he sort of has his finger in every pie and everyone knows who he Mm. is. And, you know, he's the, Mm. the, the... Like, all the big social events happen up there. And if you look at the homestead, mm. it does sort of have... It does draw the eye, basically. Mm. Oh, and, and be, bearing in mind that a lot of people, you know, that that was a, a status symbol. Yeah. And it was on, on it was on a hill. So, it had commanding views. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of the palaces in Europe, they're, they're in very prominent positions. And it's kind of a... It's a, it's a two-way street, in my opinion. Psychologically, it's an opportunity for you to look down on the town which you can take that, you can construe that in many ways, Mm. like the upstairs-downstairs scenario, but also the people in the lowlands, the the town of Journey, can look up at and perhaps aspire to. Um, But Journey now, which is sort of, it's about four and a half hours southwest of Sydney. It's near Wagga and... So you you sort of hit Wagga, then you sort of drive meandering through the Australian countryside and you come to the town of Journey and it is clearly a town that has seen um, far better times a long time ago. Yeah. It's it's basically in decline apart from two or or let's let's actually say three things in that town that do make it worthy of visiting of course there's the the monte cristo homestead that we're talking about but the other two things that journey is actually quite famous for it has a wonderful uh licorice factory really oh mate they're spelt licorice's top shelf hang on so, wait it's, it's a functional licorice factory so oh mate it's 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 world class. So thirty three percent of the things that bring people there are ghosts. Thirty three percent is licorice. What's the other thirty three percent? A jail. A, jail. <laughs> a functioning jail or a like a yeah, his, no, a real jail. Not like a ye olde jail. An actual nah, jail. mate. This is this is a real. This is a a proper proper jail. Oh shit. Okay. And that of course creates employment. Mm. And the old um, sort of railway, you know, hoardings and and all the the outbuildings. That is where the Liquish Factory is now. Um, so it's kind of sort of a, it's a destination. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot about, you know, the town insofar as whether it's still a functioning town or whether most of the people do actually still live in Wagga. But um, I can't believe... I've been to Journey. Christine and I have been there a few times. and But we just went there for the Liquish. And I did not know about Monte Cristo. And then a, um, a couple of our fans, Paul, that work um, at an auction house in Sydney sort of approached me and have been talking about this particular place for a long time, almost ad nauseum, saying, oh, when are you going to do something on Monte Cristo? And I, I just kind of wasn't actually keyed in. And then, and then Paul, we discussed it um, and you said to me, look, Dad, you know, let's, let's give it a bash, to, to quote Roy and HG. Mm. Of course, delving into it, you begin to realise what what a terrible, terrible sort of tragic set of and bizarre what what a 
What a bizarre family. Yeah, if you're trying to paint a picture of some pretty intense people, I mean, so Christopher and Elizabeth Crawley, that's the couple we were talking about before, were Mm. extremely religious and they kind of become the focal points of pretty much every story of alleged hauntings in the place. Elizabeth Mm. Crawley, just to give you a, because we can't show you pictures on a podcast, but she wore extremely, I mean, she wore like black all the time. She wore lace caps. She had this huge beaded collar. Um, Staff talked about how she treated them. I know a lot of this seems pretty anecdotal, so I want to be pretty careful. And obviously this Mm. is, you know, like, you know, hundreds of years ago at this point, well, over a hundred years ago. Um, but the reputation Elizabeth Crawley had in the house was not great. Would you agree with that yeah. assessment? 100%, Paul. And yeah. I guess another problem I have with this particular story is that the husband yeah. um, is and was portrayed as as a really lovely guy. Right. So, they, that I mean... And that's bullshit. Well, yeah, because it, it takes two to tango, right? But also, he, he, he we, we do know yeah. that he fathered at least two children from the maids. Yeah. From two separate maids. Right. And I can sort of go, I can delve into that a little bit more if you'd like. So Yes, please. But I'm just, I, I think it's really valid that you pointed out. It seems unfair that all the, <laughs> that even with the womanizing and the fact that, you know, historically he probably had some other problems as well, mm-hmm. uh, given his position of power and the, all the other stuff. It's interesting that all the sort of, Evils, even the descriptions of evil, have mm. been kind of foisted upon Elizabeth, whereas in fact it was probably. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And one of the things that I find problematic in this whole story, yeah. Paul, is that um, we have a person on the surface who's very wealthy, affluent, likable, uh-huh. charismatic, some might say, and 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 was one of the founding fathers of the town. Yeah. Now, you know, and and. I guess the hypocrisy, which is a very common thread throughout humanity, particularly when you tie it in with, you know, organized religion, mm-hmm. is that whilst he may be going to church on a Sunday, um, he was he was basically banging some of the maids. Yeah. But but not only, you know, having having relationships, um, you know, sexual relationships with at least two of the maids that we know about, mm-hmm. so you can imagine sort of what we don't know about. Um, you know, we don't know his other proclivities. Um, and you can sort of let your your mind sort of run fairly wild when it comes to that sort of thing. But he fathered... Now, one of the maids was pregnant. Yeah. And the from my sort of fairly extensive research, um, it, it has been gleaned that the wife... There was talk about the maid sort of becoming the heiress to the estate and mysteriously she fell to her death and she was pregnant uh the maid so she died with with the baby um the baby passed away as well now some people are saying that you know she was just she fell and others are saying that the wife pushed her it was a second floor balcony wasn't it that she fell Mm, from mm. yeah okay and apparently, I, I'm not sure whether this is right, Paul, but apparently there's, there's bloodstains still there, which sounds pretty That's, kind of morbid. That, see, that happened... Okay, so I read about that as well. And mm. so this is the maid, and she was quite young, who fell from the balcony, and it was claimed that, yeah, she was pregnant, and it was also claimed that she was potentially pushed. Uh, but before that, 
and this is I find this disturbing, and you've probably read about this as well. A different maid was carrying Crawley's baby daughter Ethel, and mm. uh, she fell down the stairs, and Ethel dropped out of the maid's arms and was killed. Mm. And the nanny claims that. I mean, I don't know how, how much stock to put this, but again, there were claims that uh, she was pushed, that the, the yeah. child was pushed from her arms. Um, and apparently those stairs are a kind of focal point for a lot of... But I mean, look, if I knew that all this creepy shit had happened on a specific set of stairs, I'd probably be, you know, get the Ghiblis as well. Mm, mm. But I'm, what I'm curious about that is that they already had so many children. So mm. they had seven kids, four girls, three boys, uh, and that's just the kids that survived. Mm, mm. Well, the, the maid... Um the maid, one of the kids, one of the young kids, um, was walking out in front of the homestead and was hit by a coach, sort of a horse and horse, you know, horse-drawn coach. Yeah. Now the child sustained fairly serious head injuries, as you probably would. But the thing, Paul, is that this child suffered brain damage. Hang on, is this? Oh, I know about this one. Yeah, go on. Oh, is this Harold? Yeah. Harold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the name Harold's kind of... And with respect to any Harold's out there. <laughs> and I think Harold's kind of a dying name. It's gone out of style. I mean, the last Harold... Out of style. I mean, Harold Holt was the last one I could think mm. of. And, you know. mm. Harold's kind of a it's, a... it's an appropriate name for the time, no doubt. Mm. But he, um, he sustained some pretty heavy brain damage. And, you know, this is another sort of thing about people in those days and and to this very day where people some families can't cope they don't know what to do i mean in those days there certainly would not have been i guess a lot of help particularly in country new south wales but they had the idea of chaining him up and he remained chained up for 40 years. Now, how much stock can we put in this? Look, I'm not saying it's not true, but and obviously given the era and their approach to mental health and the fact that they're in the middle of nowhere and, you know, yada, 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 all the religious stuff, it's not out of the realm of possibility for me that this was true. But if you were trying to tell a creepy story about creepy people living in the country being creepy, right, back in mm. that era, this is one of those things that you would write and someone during the scripting process of this show would be like, that's that's not believable. Um, mm. But from all accounts that I read as well, it does seem like he was, you know, kind of at least hidden away in the house, if not chained to a radiator or something for, yeah, 40 years. And but he- also, Paul, yeah. um, I don't know whether you you found this out, but um, and this is very, this is sort of what really rings true for me and in a sad way, but yeah. a very uh, typical way is that... Um, the children, the local children, would dare each other to go up and taunt him. I didn't know that. Yeah. No. So the kids would go up because he used to scream all day. Just, it's so terrible. And we, when we hear about these stories today, they, they make national news. They make international news. I've seen some terrible cases um, where, they, where they find children that have just been living in these extraordinary conditions and then they grow and they evolve they they, they they turn into adults and they sort of take on you know the mantle of their environment and it reminds me of that time paul mm-hmm. when i was in forensics and we received some information that in western sydney yeah. uh, there was a child that lived in a chicken pen what hmm a child had been living, and the child was in his early 20s okay. when we arrived, and we went into this uh, 
this house and we went through the into the backyard and there was a chicken pen quite a big one with all the chickens sort of and you know how chickens sort of you know how they sort of scratch the um yeah the dirt the, the dirt mm. and inside uh, the pen at the back was a uh, was a human being that was squatting like a chicken and pecking and and basically was a chicken. How do you... Okay, so first of all, how did you get this call? Was it like a concerned neighbour? Concerned neighbours, yeah. And was he... You say living there. Was he not there. just a... Was he not just like... How could... Could it have just been, you know, some immersive role play? Or how do you know he was God, actually... Paul, you are so funny. God, that's so sweet of you, Paul. No, this I'm, kid was a chicken. What I'm asking is that, look, there's not... When you say living in the pen... That's where he lived. Had, He'd been it, living there all his life. I'm saying, how do you know that? Because you could tell he was... What, did he have a he sort of, bed in the back? Did he? Well, he didn't have a beak. But how do you know he wasn't just, you know, a, a bit weird and scratching uh, around with the chickens? He couldn't stand up. Right. He, 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 he'd become a chicken. It's not an unreasonable assumption to say, like, how did you know he was living there as opposed to just, you know, he lost it and he was back there with the chickens. Yeah. That's all I'm trying no, to say. No, this, 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 I think he even... I mean, he, he certainly didn't... Well, I didn't see him lay any eggs. Right. But... Um, Should have seen, yeah. <laughs> Maybe got nervous. It's so terrible. It's, it's the most terrible case. That, well, I don't know why I'm laughing. No, I don't. No, I'm you, laughing. You never, so. you, you never told me this. So what? Ha- what happened? What, what, what was? Oh it? no, he was taken away, and um, right. you know. Um, no, I don't. I really don't. This is a <laughs> fairly new for me. I know, Paul. It's just, oh god. Maybe I just blocked it out of my look. There are. I'm, uh, let's just put it this way. Yeah. There are some very, very well documented. Very well documented cases of chicken men. In, in the annals of crime mm-hmm. about people yep. that have, have basically been put out with the animals and and basically you know grown up with animals. But but Harold at, back at the Monte Cristo homestead had sort of the inverse problem where it seems like he was locked away for four. I mean, forty years. That's I know that's bananas. But but it is bananas. But also, what happened ultimately is that he too was taken by the authorities and he was. Put in a, in in a, in a mental asylum. Yep. Where where he he died. I'm guessing I'm given the era. I, I'm not anticipating a particularly enjoyable tenure for him at that no, point. Miserable. Yeah. Died miserable. But um, also there was a there was a young boy. He was he was a um. Oh, this is this is a terrible story, Paul. Do you know the one about the the young boy that was like a like a farmhand? No. No. Oh God. Okay. I'll get ready for this. Okay. It's a young boy. He was he was in his very, very early teens. He was very unwell one day. He was really, really sick. And he couldn't get out of bed. And the, the like the foreman, you know, of the of the farm, because they, they raised horses and, and very successful horses. He had a very successful stable, the owner. And the farm hand, like the manager, came into the boy into the boy's room and said, "You know, get out of bed, you lazy so and so." And and the young boy, he was incapable of moving, and he was just lying there. So what this, what his kind of the foreman did is that he decided to, well, to get the boy out of bed by setting his bed on fire. Oh Jesus! Okay. So he sets the bed on fire, and unfortunately, the boy was so sick he couldn't get out of the bed, and he burnt to death in the bed. Okay. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Now that's very, very fucked up. And it's terrible. And when you start to compound, to layer these Tragedies, tragic yeah. stories, one on top of the other, like a Betty Sydney cheesecake yeah or some type of cake where the you know layer upon layer very specific yep okay yep um so you know all these terrible terrible stories and i just think that you know it it begins to sort of sort of lay the foundation for for a very sad story and also the the husband you know they used the men used to wear starched collars paul yes and the the, the sort of the patriarch, he had a bit of a, an infection on his neck. This is William, yeah, William Crawley. So, yeah, what a weird way to go. So he gets some sort of like gross carbuncle on his neck, which gets infected mm. because he has this starched collar. Starch. So, yep. Sort of like rubbing against his neck. He was 69 when he died. So this is in 1910. So it's, you know, mm. still a very long time ago. And then what you've got, I think this might be, Dad, this might be why so many of these alleged ghost stories seem to depict Elizabeth Crawley as this black-wearing kind of, you know, terror floating around mm. the house. Because she was alive for another 23 years after he died. Yeah. And she went full religioso. So she turns the upstairs storage room into this chapel mm. where she sits there reading the Bible for just yeah. countless hours. For 23 years. Crazy. I mean, not, sorry, not I mean- crazy. Pretty intense though, right? But and also, and she only ever left the house twice. Yeah, in twenty three years. Yeah, so she was in a state of mourning. Now, is this? So I'm having trouble with the timeline. Is Harold in the house at this point? And how much of Harold being kept there against his will do you think was related to the fact that she was basically in a state of prolonged grief and isolation? Mm, interesting. I'm I'm not quite sure of the timeline because right, she died in thirty three. Um, so she mm. she died ninety at the age of ninety two. And apparently she had a heart failure and a ruptured appendix. And then, Dad, this is the part that I find fascinating. There's an article from the Australian Women's Weekly in 1976 because um, a guy called Reg Ryan, uh, back in 63, he buys this vandalized, abandoned homestead. Okay, so he buys Crawley Estate for 1,000 AUD. Yeah? 
It had mm. been sitting there vacant since 1943. And then there's this article in the Australian Women's Weekly in 76 showing off this newly kind of restored homestead. So when you said that some of the decor was a tad kind of gauche, right? Mm. I think mm. what's happened is that's old Reg's attempt to recreate accurately. Yeah. Yes. You know, the sp- yeah. Look, I'm not, yeah. yeah, I think they did, they did a pretty good job. Sure. I mean, I'm, I sort of look at it with a slightly more critical eye. Because an antique dealer, yeah. But but what happens is so often is if people from an era are trying to recreate another era, then the trappings of the era they're in inadvertently kind of influence things. And because he was doing this in the 60s and 70s, it does have a kind of Formica-ish bent to it. You know, it's got that sort of... It's got that a little bit of that flavor, I mm. think. Um, yeah, good analogy, Paul. So what you're seeing is a recreation of the original as opposed to the actual original Correct. but the bones of the place uh do have that sort of creepy vibe you know oh definitely and then what happened later on paul is that in 1960 yeah. the year that i was born mm. there was a farm hand or like a caretaker standing on the front porch yeah and there'd been a local resident who'd watched that that really freaky show psycho oh the hitchcock film yes yes yeah and he watched it three times I don't know whether that's important, that particular number three. Okay. But he watched it three times Mm -hmm. and he basically became insanely possessed. He goes up to the homestead with a loaded gun and he shoots dead one of the caretakers on the front porch in 1960. Unless I'm mixing up my time. Yeah, so, okay. That's interesting. So, the shooting of the caretaker happened two years before Reg Ryan bought and restored the home. So, Mm. at that Mm. point... Oh, my God. No wonder he got it cheap. I mean, you've got all the kind of intensely creepy stuff that happened back with the Crawleys. Mm. And then you've got this shooting. Now, how much of it? Because, Dad, I've, I really struggle with the notion that violent movies and video games and books and whatever, like art, basically, can mm. turn a completely stable person into a killer. Well, it's funny you should say that, Paul, because I, I think you, you the starting point should be that well, the question should yeah. be, are they or were they actually stable prior to? 100%. Uh, because, you yeah. know, some people are percept- sort of susceptible mm. to, to all sorts of things. But um, I was chatting with um, our contact, yep. our supernatural contact, mm-hmm. and she told us that she was there with her husband and he's a, he's a 100% sceptic yeah. and they were there at night time doing some research and he was slapped in the face. Radically, but by, by basically, well, there was not a physical person there, and and he felt the full force of a slap. So that's interesting, isn't it? What I keep reading from these accounts is that, and again, this comes back to what you said before, Dad. A lot of these sort of very aggressive things that seem to happen sometimes when people head to the house are always typically attributed to Elizabeth Crawley. Right? Mm. This kind of mm. really intense woman, this dark figure dressed in black, carrying a cross in mourning. And basically, apparently, she just doesn't want people in the house, whereas Christopher Crawley is apparently seen as this sort of benevolent figure drifting around. It, it, it's, it's weirdly gendered in that respect. I, I suspect it's because she was just in the house a lot longer. So locals sort of had more time to sort of... Because, I mean, if you were a kid and you were heading past the house and you saw this woman in black looking down at you, the amount of urban myth that would marinate over the years, you know, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It just makes sense. Mm. And Paul, also uh, for the listeners' uh, edification, yeah. um, 
the the owners um, I'm, not, I'm not sure which owners they were but a, a group of owners came home one night um, every single one of their cats had been strangled what all the chickens had been choked and someone had even reached into their cage where they kept their parrot and had basically squeezed its little neck and, and choked it to death so you know when things like that start happening and when the when the original I'm sorry when the when the new owners the latest owners because the place had been deserted for a long time and every single window in this house had been broken mm-hmm. and one of the very first times that they went to actually as they were just about to move into the place they're coming up the driveway and the entire house had this bright white light sort of emanating from every single window and a lot of the the sort of skeptics said oh well that's obviously your the headlights on, the, on your car reflecting off all the windows, but as they pointed out, all the windows were gone. There were no windows for a reflection. So some pretty bizarre stuff's happened there. So, Dad, I found something quite strange, and obviously I've not been inside the house, but I found a photo of of a huge chain hanging from a wall, and apparently it's where the housekeeper chained up uh, Harold. Mm. And there's a huge groove in the wall, which... Looks like someone's been trying to kind of wear it down and get out. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much truth there is to that. What I want to talk about very briefly is the fact that there is a great deal of kind of speculation around things, right? So we've, you've got a chain and a wall, and then you get a ghost tour, and it's very easy for the person giving the tour to go. That's where Harold was chained up, and as you can mm-hmm. see, whereas I'm, there is something incredibly feasible about the idea of a family back then hiding a kind of son of theirs, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so I mean, what do you what do you what do you think about that? I think um, I think with a lot of rumor and innuendo and folklore, um, legend, I think a lot of these sort of stories, fables, if you like, they do tend to be grounded in in truth. And I don't believe that this the modern day family with their you know their ghost stories ghost tours yes they might sort of embellish certain um you know bits of information but i think the the kernel of truth lies in the fact that we do know that it was a very sort of very sad pretty fucked up family but i I think they're far from unique i think if you delve into pretty well all country towns all over the world you you uncover extraordinary stories and and I, like I've always said you know during the last two and a half years of doing this whole thing with loose units Paul the books the the podcast the, the live shows and I've said it at, at, and I know I've said it at many live shows and that is that as we are talking today you and I we we, we sit I'm in Sydney you're in Melbourne mm-hmm. the fact of the matter and this is and I, I I don't actually like saying the fact of the matter is but it's a fact that as we all live and breathe today, in real time, there are terrible things happening that we don't know about yet. That we won't find out about until, you know, much later on. Correct. Yeah. And sometimes you don't find out about these things until the the victims, the offenders, the perpetrators have actually passed away. Yeah. Uh, it's like they discover a mass grave and... and I mean, look! Look what happened in Canada a few months ago. Mm. I mean, there are. I know. It's just there. Are, I can say hand on heart, 
that in, in Sydney, which has a population of 8 million people, there are people in this city, as you and I are talking right now, who are being kept in houses or dungeons or basements against their will. That is extremely grim, but I don't doubt that it's true. I mean, this hmm. place had... I think when you add up all of the, you know, reported deaths at this place, you you end up with 11 people. So yeah. 11 people have reportedly died on the property. And I mean, there's a stable boy who died after having his mattress set on fire. There's the maid who, you know, threw herself or was pushed. There's the caretaker, like you said, who was apparently shot by a kid who was who'd watched Psycho too many times. It was also a young boy who fell down some stairs. I mean, having said that, it is entirely possible that given this state of healthcare and the isolation of the home and the fact that it was, you know, around the turn of last century, it's entirely possible that if you have a house that big with that many people living on the grounds for that long, people are just going to die, right? Um, and it, I think what the one I find the most interesting is obviously it's yeah, around Crawley's true, true. alleged womanizing and the fact that, you know, if the maid was pregnant with his child and she just happened to fall off the balcony, apparently, like he's, uh, apparently there's a. There's a stain, like a uh, uh, a stain on the balcony, which apparently is potentially a bleach stain, which was where they mm. tried to remove the blood. But again, all that's speculation, right? You can't go down and you probably could actually mm. swab it and see what it was. But but um, I mean, I walk every Friday mm. through um, a mental institution in uh, like a mental asylum, lunatic asylum, as they used to be called, very famous one in Sydney, Callan Park, and I, it's a creepy place. And I'm I'm not there at night time, and I actually no, I don't think I'd go there at night time. Um, when you and Tegan come up to yeah, okay. Sydney, I I'd love to take you there and just show you how they used to house people in the 19th century. And it's just, but that's how it was mm. done. But you know what I love, Dad? One of the things I really like about these locations is that. I mean, it's fun being told these stories, but what's particularly wonderful about um, about the Monte Cristo homestead is back in 63 when uh, Reg Ryan and his wife Olive bought the place for, like I said, a thousand bucks. It was incredibly run down. And like you said, there's that story where there was the light pouring out of the house and it didn't have any electricity, so that didn't make sense. Uh, but they had five kids, which means that, can you imagine being a little kid and your parents going, hey... Hey guys, um, we've got a new house. Yay, where is it? Oh, it's this creepy haunted homestead over in Janae, right? So the kids have grown up experiencing these things, you know, hearing weird footsteps or, you know, seeing a woman standing in white or feeling hands resting on their shoulders when no one's there, you know, pictures falling mm. off the walls, all kinds of creepy stuff. I believe that some of these children are the ones who actually run these ghost tours. So what's great is... Um, the perspective they provide is not just people who, you know, put on costumes and sort mm. of run around. They actually grew up in the house. So the story has mm. become mm. generational, right? I find that so interesting. Yes, it's fascinating, isn't it? Did you guys ever... I mean, I know that you and mum considered sea changes a few times. Did you ever almost buy anywhere that could potentially have had a Monte Cristo vibe to it? Oh, yeah, definitely. We were going to buy a place on the east coast of Tasmania that was... Um, really, really interesting, really right. fascinating. Um, but we're also going to buy a maze in a very, very small town in northern. You're laughing. What? I just didn't. Paul, I don't think I. I don't think I knew this. We, we were going to buy. 
a proper <laughs> functioning maze. Was there a house with it? Yes. Or were we going to no. live in the maze? Okay. No, that was the full package. Oh my God. House plus maze. Hang on, like a big proper hedge maze? Yeah, it was hedge uh, made out of privet. It was a, a magnificent. In fact, there was a time in my life, Paul, where I, I'm, I'm, I was actually quite obsessed. I even used to design my own mazes. What? Yeah, I'm serious. F- and I wanted you- to, I wanted to to grow a maze. When? When was this? It was a period I went through. Uh, yeah, you're. What? Hang mm-hmm. on. I've, I've always on, been when- fascinated by by hedge mazes. Mazes. Right. And uh, yeah, I've. I've been in some of the great mazes, Paul, and got lost. You in know them. what I think? I just have this image of you, a la Jack Torrance, freezing to death in a maze that you bought. I find that so endearing. I wonder if you can haunt a maze because, typically speaking, the haunted places seem to be places with you know roofs and plumbing and doors and whatnot. But I, man, a haunted maze would be fantastic. I can I can tell you and the listeners that Christine mm-hmm. and I were more than <laughs> way more than fifty percent. We'd even. We'd even interviewed and found out, like, we'd done our research as to what schools you were all going to go to in Tasmania. So, uh, you almost bought a Tasmanian maze? Yes. I'm serious. Uh, no, it, this, is, this is very new information yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is true. We, 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 I became, I, had a, yep. I, I was fascinated by mazes. And, and the maze that we were going to buy was made <laughs> of the, the plant they used was called privet. Now, privet uh-huh. is actually illegal in New South Wales, but not right. in Tasmania. And it's a very, very robust, thick plant, perfect mm-hmm. for mazes. So, in other words, you can't look through into the next sort of aisle. But if I had a... And this, it, it even had... This maze, I'll tell you how good it was. It had a, a like a tower that had to be manned <laughs> by a member of staff. Oh, to, to, so that you could watch people go through and, and make help, sure they didn't get lost. And help, help them out if they got lost. Yeah, we've been to a few hedge mazes um, over in England, and they do. They have these beautiful like parapets where a kind of caretaker will watch yeah, you and make sure yeah. you don't get lost. But Paul, Paul, not only were we going to buy a maze, nearby we were going to buy a full cheese manufacturing concern. Right. Uh, so that's another... Cons- yeah, con- concern is what I'm feeling right Paul, now. Paul, I'm, I'm, the reason yeah. we, we were offered this cheese uh, business by yeah. this elderly Swiss cheesemaker was that none of his kids were interested in it and he was worried that the whole thing had, you know, sort of vanish. So this could have been a podcast where we talked about our creepy maze. So mm. we could have been we could we could have been, you know, kind of a generation of crawlies, couldn't we? Well, what I would like to have done, knowing mm-hmm. what I now know, is I yep. would definitely have had scarecrows in the maze and I may have rigged up like a flying scarecrow <laughs> on some wires above. So when you're right in the thick of it, uh-huh. this flying thing just quickly goes over you, and you'd look up and go, "Shit!" Did I? Anyway, and you do night night. Imagine night tours of a maze. I think that's pretty exciting. It's cutting edge. I think that'd be amazing. Look, I am really sad you didn't buy a maze and a cheese factory, but I'm also really happy that places like the Monte Cristo homestead exist because you can just straight up go and do a night tour there, mm. and you can do it. I believe, unless things have changed, with some of the you know relatives of the people who did it up in the '60s. It's a really fascinating place. I hope I get to go there one day. I'd love to kind of check it out. If for no other reason than I want to see this weird kind of economic triptych of haunted homestead, licorice factory, and prison. If I was going to have a bingo card of places that would bring me to a small town, that wouldn't be on them. But, you know, uh, here we are. It's it's Juni, and it's, it's a very strange place. 
Well, I believe that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. If you've been to the Monte Cristo homestead and have any stories, hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash loose units. If anyone knows a priest who's performed an exorcism, I'm not joking. We actually want to talk to them on the show. So please do, again, hit us up. But I think that's all the time we have for today. So we will see you later this week for Loose Ends. Bye, everyone. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.